I've had some conversations already today because I, I know, I know of. Uh, <laughs> I told my high school lit class one day we we're reading about the seven deadly sins in Spencer's Fairy Queen, and he has the best description I've ever seen of the seven deadly sins. They are the beasts that pull the queen of hell's carriage. And it's, like, frightening. And the kids were like, whoa. And and I said, so which one's yours? And they went, oh. I said, don't answer out loud. But think about those beasts. What, what, What do you struggle with? And they kind of looked at me, and I said, I mean, I can tell you if you want. I've known most of you well enough. And they're like, what? Um, a priest gets to know his congregation and quite often with some time and discussion he can start to ascertain what someone struggles with Uh, primarily because we deal with this all the time, right? This is what we're doing um, in our own lives but also with our parishioners. So I've already had some conversations with some people that, hey, this morning if you struggle with exedia, axity, dejection, a handful of different names for it. Um, Listen closely. Um, Dejection uh, is a sin. The catechism question asks, is dejection truly also sin? Answer. The sin of dejection, known as exedia or axity in English, moves us to bear the sorrows of the world alone as if there were no Christ, tempting me to pause, slacken, or end my pilgrimage and tasks before God has completed them, and it is a sin unto death. Dejection is the focus of our readings this morning. Uh, For those of you that have heard my complete sermon series on the cycle of Trinity Tide, as we've walked through those lessons through the seven deadly sins three times, today is dealing with dejection. It's the third time dealing with dejection. Please remember that this sin was in the original uh, list of the seven deadly sins that came over from the east to the west. But through the centuries, it has been transformed because of the change most mostly arguably in language it now resides in the western list as laziness and trust me laziness does not give the same idea that this sin originally had Um, the old english word that did communicate back in the elizabethan era at least Um, the sin effectively was sloth. And so when you hear the Eastern, excuse me, the Western list of deadly sins, you will see sloth listed there. The problem is that as language moves, it doesn't mean what it used to mean, although sloth just viscerally has the right connotation, right? And so as you see this sort of change, and so sloth, we just think, means lazy. It doesn't. Uh, It means dejection. It means giving up. It means I don't... It may mean that I don't want to mow the lawn because, you know, 
it's not going to look really any better anyways. I'm just going to have to mow it again. And it's really useless. And what's the point anyway? And, and that kind of attitude is sloth, dejection. But, but mostly we don't want to mow the lawn because we want to go water skiing or we want to you know, read a book or you know, do something else. Uh, and that's laziness, right? And so we got to kind of remember that laziness doesn't have the same exact connotations as sloth. So my point this morning is we need to be aware of and thoughtful about this sin of exedia in the Latin. For it troubles many, many people in and outside the church. I'm convinced that many people that are taking drugs for depression may not need to deal with their situation like that as much as they might need a spiritual uh, solution. I'm not saying there is not such a thing as clinical depression. Don't hear me wrong. Um, I'm just saying that this sin is going to look a lot like what our culture says depression is. And, and it may be difficult to figure out what's what. Uh, so as I tell my people all the time, if you're going to uh, go to a therapist, I, I can encourage you to do that. But they're not going to deal with the spiritual side. So please call me and let's, let's have some time for spiritual direction. Because the therapist, even the Christian therapist, is not going to deal with that spiritual end of life in the same way that a priest uh, will do that. And different priests, of course, are going to, different therapists, are gonna, you know, you're going to get a different experience. Um, so I can list a number of priests all over the country that you can go to. Um, the overarching theme for this current cycle of seven Sundays in Trinity Tide is union with Christ. Remember, purgation, illumination, union with Christ. Our epistle lesson directs us towards this union theme when we hear St. Paul say, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. A living union with Christ on a day-to-day basis will look more and more like each of us being a new man. Created by God, living within us. The new man is created by God living in us and also what he's done to us, but we have the spirit of God within us and transforming us every day, indeed renewing the spirit of our minds. Yes, if we say, eh, thanks, but no thanks, God. He'll honor that. But if we are pursuing God, if we are pursuing the upward call of Christ and we're saying, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost every day and we're allowing the Holy Ghost to transform and change us, then indeed we will be renewed in the spirit of our mind. The virtue I would like to commend to us today to fight dejection and to pursue this union with Christ is justice. And justice is one of the cardinal virtues. Remember, cardinal comes from a Latin word that means hinge, like on a door, right? So the cardinal virtues are hinge virtues because your life can be transformed by them, right? That's what the 
ancient thought. Uh, Aristotle is going to say that it's a hinge virtue. Your life hinges on justice and wisdom and self-control and what am I missing? Uh, that's not a cardinal virtue, but it's a, it's, you know, I can't even think of the fourth one at the moment, sorry. Uh, but those are the, the classical world dealt with these all the time and talked about these virtues. But the Greeks and even the Romans, the Greeks were like hor- horrified at this idea. But the supreme virtue of all is love, which transformed the cardinal virtues into being much more effective in being hinge virtues, if you will. But the ultimate hinge is love. This virtue of justice may not come readily to our minds as a hearty virtue to fight dejection. If you think about it, you're like, maybe the, the theological virtue of hope might be more important than justice. But, but think about it. The early fathers clearly saw justice as a virtue to fight the sins of the will. Not the sins of the mind, pride, vainglory, not the sins of the appetite, consumption, right, which are lust, greed, and gluttony, but the sins of the will. And dejection is a sin of the will. It's a choice we make. Just like wrath is a choice we make. We kind of think about all the emotion of wrath, And I have to sometimes point out to people, well, or to myself, yeah, we've got lots of emotion going on. And sometimes the emotion has already caused us to sin before any words come out of our mouth. But you have a choice whether to throw up on someone with all those emotions or not when it comes to wrath. And that choice, that's the will. And and so there's a sin of the will where I'm allowing and I'm choosing to be wrathful towards you. Or I'm choosing to be dejected, to give up, to be hopeless. Let's see how this virtue of, this cardinal virtue of justice might fight dejection. Remember our catechetical answer, which, this is a good answer. Dejection moves us to bear the sorrows of the world alone, as if there were no Christ Therefore, tempting me to pause, slacken, or end my pilgrimage and tasks before I had completed them, before God had completed them in me. Justice, says the Catechism, is a virtue of the will, determining to give to each their due, regardless of prejudice. Given that definition, it is actually rather easy to see that we are not being just towards our Lord Christ if we are dejected, for we live as though Christ was not incarnate, did not suffer for us, did not die for us, was not vindicated in his resurrection, and did not ascend to heaven to rule the world and act as our high priest. When we allow the sin of dejection to take hold of us, that's what we're saying to Jesus. 
The virtue of justice fights dejection because it causes us to give to Jesus, the Messiah, the obedience, the submission, the worship, the glory, and the honor that is due to him by each of us and by all of us together in his church. Justice says we must do that. From our will, we must choose to do that. What if you don't feel like doing it? Do it anyway. The inculcation of virtue means that we do things that are right even when we don't feel like it. Because it is not our Christian life. Our life is not to be based on our emotions. But don't we, says my Baptist friends to me, but I want my son or I want my daughter to do the right thing out of a right heart. Amen. I don't know about you, but if I don't start doing the right thing out of an evil heart that is repentant, I'm never going to learn to do the right thing. Following God's will, even when my heart is rebelling, means that I put my heart down, I ask forgiveness of God, I don't feel anything but ugly, and I go do the right thing. In this case, the right thing is to give glory, laud, and honor to Christ for all that he has done for us. If you don't feel like it, repent and do it anyways. And no, I don't think that that repentance is probably going to bring an effervescent bubble in your heart. You're not going to suddenly go, oh yeah, does it happen? Yeah. But honestly, most of the time at 7.30 when I'm ready to start morning prayer and I'd rather be in bed, I repent to God and I still want to be in bed. So I repent again. And sometimes that's what prayer is. It's just repenting that I'm not really here, God, in my heart. Please forgive me. But the minute you're doing that, what are you doing? You're being there. Poorly. <laughs> uh, haphazardly, perhaps. And, 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 and maybe with only half the energy you should. But if we don't start somewhere, we never get anywhere. Um, I never had to teach Elizabeth how to lie, how to cheat. Grammy taught her how to do that. Uh, I, never, I never had to teach my kids how to sin. But there are many times that they had to do the right thing, to confess the right, you know, to confess truthfully to mom and dad that they didn't have, I mean, I saw it. They didn't have a good heart. I'd say, well, you sit there for 10 minutes and I'm going to spank you then. You need to have a repentant heart. And finally I realized they're just not going to. It's not, I'm not in charge of their heart. Now we can lead, we can guide, we can direct. If you ask Aiden, he'll say that, well, you didn't lead, guide, and direct Lizzie at all because she never had spanking in her life. She was fine. She was like the little angel. She could do no wrong. And I would say to him, well, yeah, how's your heart? Um, we have to learn and we have to learn over and over and over again. If you look at your children, they had to be told the same thing over and over and over again. I told my sister that her daughter was a little snot and had she done better, Michaela, you would have turned out better. Remind me to tell you a funny story 
after church. So, dejection is fought by the cardinal virtue of justice, meaning we give Christ his due. Wrath is fought, um, just as a parallel, so you can see the, the context, wrath is fought by the virtue of justice by giving, say, your family their due, your friends their due, your, your colleagues their due. In other words, does your spouse deserve for you to be throwing up anger all over them? No. Um, quite often, wrath is, is so easy to see how ugly it is, but it's, you're not treating people justly when you are wrathful over, you know, against them. Um, and, and last, it's um, righteous anger, but that's, that deserves a sermon of its own. I just tell everyone, I said, just assume you never have it. Uh, you know, because we always want to defend, oh, I'm righteous in my anger. Well, no, you're not. Um, it does happen. Don't hear me saying it. There's, no ever, there's never a need for righteous anger. But I'm just, with the sin version, you're not being just to those around you. With dejection, you're not being just to God Almighty. You're not being just to our Messiah. So that's how virtue, the, the virtue of justice can lead us to uh, rightness uh, and fight the sin of dejection. So when you have that, again, it's not emotional necessarily. Maybe it will be, but the emotions will follow the will. But when you are fighting and you remember, no, I need to, give, I need to know that Christ died for me. I need to recognize that. I need to not be unjust towards God and for, towards his son. Well, that's a strong start to fighting dejection and to putting ourselves in the right frame of mind to pursue the union with Christ which, with which we have been gifted and which we are called to work out with fear and trembling. That puts us back on the right track to being one with Christ through the Holy Spirit. Dejection also quite often brings us to a very selfish point of view. Dejection tends to be about me. Living a dejected life is all about us. We think that this place, this work, this calling, this vocation that we have and that we are to participate in is just not fulfilling. It just doesn't give me what I need. It's not what I really want. It's not something I feel I can accomplish. And so we give up. I'm not saying that there's never a time that God doesn't call us to a different vocation. But so often, even when we've been called, we become self-centered and we can start complaining about our work, our job, our location. I mean... St. Cassian was always talking about how the monk was always looking at that, that monastery down the road. They've just got it better. It's just way better. The grass is always greener on the other side. When I'm dealing with new teachers, I, I, I remind them, I say, so have you ever had a job where you liked 100% of everything you had to do with that job? I mean, everything. Farmers who are cold to the land and they go out. Do you think they enjoy every last minute of everything? I mean, there's a lot of shoveling of stuff, right? It doesn't smell so good. My grandmother and her sisters that were alive at the time, this is 30 
plus years ago. I interviewed them and just kind of wrote down some of their stories. And they all agreed their most hated chore on the farm. Their most, I'm thinking, I mean, even, it was North Dakota. I mean, you didn't go to the bathroom from, from like October to May, right? Because it was an outhouse. It's minus 30 to 50 degrees there in the winter. No, no one ever complained about that. So it just cracked me up. But their most hated chore was cleaning the um, butter churn. No refrigeration. So you do the butter churn. And, and I don't know how often they cleaned it, but it's sitting in the summer in very hot and humid conditions. You think that thing smelled very good? Woo! I mean, they all said it. this smelled awful. I would do, I would shovel stuff way before I wanted to clean the butter churn. When we are dejected and we are in that selfish attitude that dejection can bring on, we spend, uh, we usually do not spend much time looking outwards. We're not looking at our neighbor. We're not looking at our family. We're spending a lot of time gazing at our navel in misery. That's such an ugly belly button. Oh my gosh. Could anyone have a worse one? The grass is always greener somewhere else. If we inculcate justice as a virtue, if we live with justice as a lens through which we are always looking, we are forced to move away from ourselves and towards others. For we must give others their due. So if we're concerned about justice at all, it's kind of got to get us to lift our eyes and look to the other people around us. Thus, we must give our spouses their due, our children their due, our co-workers their due, and our neighbors their due. This leaves very little room for moping about in dejection, for that kind of attitude gives no one their due. One final note about justice in our lives in regards to dejection is that we are also not giving ourselves our due. A proper view of ourselves, and no, I'm not kind of a feel-good type of guy that said, well, you just got to love yourself more. There are places where that comes into play. But I'd like to say it like this. A proper view of ourselves would tell us that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus and our calling is far above living out dejection. Christ shed his blood for you. Get out of dejection and move forward. This, of course, is going back to my first point that we must give Jesus his due. But it's worth noting that our own position as a child of God and a co-heir with Christ demands that we treat our own life as something more important than wasted energy and wasted time. We are in the family of God, and we must treat our position with respect and honor. Living the life that Christ has called us to live, having our minds renewed as we walk with Christ and His Holy Spirit, daily putting on this new man that was given us in our baptism. We were recreated by God Himself in true righteousness and holiness. So my friends, live a just life and give all their due. And pursue the new man and the renewing of your mind, for we are Christ's 
and Christ is ours. I don't care if you feel like it or you don't. That's the truth. We receive not what we justly deserve for our sins, but rather we receive the mercy of God and the vindication of Christ. Amen.